So Money Episode 728, Ask Farnoosh with special co-host, Kimmy Green. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. You're listening to So Money, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Happy Friday, May 11th. And this is a special day for me. I'm actually in the midst of... Uh, wrapping up a two-day workshop, a live workshop in New York. Some of you know that I have a bit of a side hustle going on, a lot of hustles, but this is my um, really baby side hustle that I started a couple of years ago that I'm so happy that I'm able to continue it. There's interest. So just to brag about it a little bit, because I'm so proud of it. And I'm so proud of the people that go through the program. It's a two-day program for entrepreneurs who are interested in launching books in the near future in the self-help, prescriptive self-help aisles. And they want to learn also the whole journey of book writing. So not just proposals and hooking up with literary agents and publishing, but also how to market these books, how to make them successful, how to leverage the success of a book as a business, as a brand, as an entrepreneur to then get things like speaking opportunities, brand partnerships, television shows, television segments, mentions in the media, so that you ultimately become recognized as the go-to person in your expertise in your expert field. And every year, and now this year, I'll be doing it twice. uh, We have a cohort of eight to 10 entrepreneurs who go through the program and it's a blast. And we all walk away learning so much about not just books, but our respective industries. You know, this year, this this these last two days, I've met people in the group who are doctors and financial experts and uh, home builders. I have this woman who um, she has a, a show on TV, and she's a Marnie Orsler. She's a home builder, and that's amazing because we don't often meet we women home builders, but she's designs and actually builds these amazing vacation homes. Um, so for me, it's like a blast to get to meet people like Marnie and others, but hopefully they're also learning how to take their businesses to the next level through book to brand. That's what I've called it, book to brand. And I'll be doing it again in the fall. You'll be hearing about it. So if you're listening and you're interested, um, send me a quick note or keep in touch, keep in tune to this to this podcast as I'll be talking more about the one in October, I think. I think October, which will be the next one. And I hope to see you there. And if not, um, thanks for listening to me talk a little bit about my side hustle. Today, we're talking a little bit about side hustles too with Kimmy Green, who is a friend of the So Money, and she's been on the show in the past. We like to bring Kimmy on to help me sift through some of your questions as she is a leader in the corporate world, but also a mother and a wife and a badass woman entrepreneur. Kimmy Green, who is with Intuit, and we, she and I worked with on the Mint campaign for a couple of years, and now she's transitioning over to QuickBooks, which is also something that I use and I, I love. Kimmy, Welcome. Welcome to New York, too. I know you're visiting. Yeah. Thanks so much, Farnoosh. I am here. We are not in person right now, but we will hopefully see each other before too long. It's great to be back. Yes. I know you're in town for a really cool 
event, a pop-up event with Dell and QuickBooks. Tell us about that. We will be in Brooklyn with Dell Small Business during, during National Small Business Week. And I just love the conversation, how you were opening the podcast about everything you're doing, all the ways that you're connecting with authors and the different ways that they can sort of present and promote their ideas because small business isn't just about mainstream USA. There's so many different ways to be a small business. And so QuickBooks is really here backing those people who are working for themselves. And we're hosting a bunch of conversations around how to get started, as well as how to grow a business once you're already established. I had a guest on recently um, who wrote about these entrepreneurs who make a million dollars or more a year, and they're basically solopreneurs and kind of looking at their day-to-day life. You know, it's like to your point, we often think about entrepreneurs as these people running these massive businesses, but they come in all shapes and sizes. Some of them work from home in their pajamas. Some of them have a team of one or two or five, and they're doing very well, but they're kind of the unspoken heroes of our economy. There's so many people that are in, in that sort of really small business world, and they're hustling day in and day out. I mean, just before I got on the call with you, I did like 10 things on my to-do list and it's only 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, so, well, that's and that includes, you know, updating my Instagram and, you know, scheduling things and preparing for this podcast and doing some writing for, you know, for other things. And it's just, it's a never ending list of things to do. Well, I was a freelancer for two years and I just totally agree. There wasn't necessarily ever a forum where, um, freelancers could be celebrated as entrepreneurs. And this was as recently as four years ago. And that conversation is changing dramatically, but uh, it's great for us to look at the full gamut, all the shapes and sizes, like you're saying. Well, let's help tackle some of our listeners' questions. A lot of these questions have come in through Instagram, which I'm so happy about because, as you know, I've been har- I've been touting Instagram for many weeks now. I've been really active on it, and I really enjoy it. I'm... I'm, I'm Let's be honest. Facebook's annoying. Um, I'll just, I'll say it. I'm going to say it because they don't really help. Like I'll post something on Facebook and nobody will see it. They want me to pay money for people to be able to see updates. And I think that's ridiculous. And I do sometimes, but it's just become kind of not a very friendly user experience. But Instagram is all about fun. It's all about sharing. It's all about learning and interacting. And it's quick. And people have been sending me their questions. If you know, if you've contacted me on, on Instagram, I usually respond within 24 to 72 hours, if not right away, depending on what I'm doing in my life at that moment. But we have a bunch of questions from Instagram and I usually will answer them on Instagram, but I also like to bring the question back on the show for everybody else to hear. And so the first question comes from Sandra on Instagram. And I'd love to get your perspective on this too, Kimmy, because she asks about how do you get any work done with two little kids? And yeah, I have a one-year-old and a almost four-year-old. Kimmy, you have two daughters that are around like five and seven. Maybe? Yeah, they just I- turned four and six. You're spot on. Four yep. and six. Okay. Yep. So now Sandra on Instagram, Kimmy asks a question about parenthood and work. And I know you have a lot that you can offer to Sandra. She says, how do you get any work done with two little kids, Farnoosh? She, a little bit more about her. She works full time with her husband at home with their two-year-old. They're artists trying to launch projects. She says, it's hard when our kids' schedule is so unpredictable. We take turns watching our son to allow the other person to work. And this has limited me to working on the weekends when he naps. I wish I could get more done and spend time with our son. It sounds like there's there's no childcare perhaps 
in their life at this point outside of the two of them. So they're like really on full-time parenting, full-time working and two-year-olds. Wait till three, Sandra. (laughs) You think two is hard? Wait till three. Hopefully he can go into a program at that point, you know, with other kids during the day and you can have some downtime. It does get better as they get older in some ways because there's school, but two is hard because there's not a lot to do with a two-year-old other than maybe daycare or you're watching him or her or some sort of nanny. I don't know. It's You can't really like, there's no school necessarily for two-year-olds. But I would say to the extent that you and your husband can hire someone, even if it's just for a couple of hours a day to come in and be in the home with you, but watching your son and that's their priority while you two can really take advantage of those two hours. You know, Tim Ferriss wrote about the four hour work week. Now, I don't really think that four hours is it, but you can get a lot done in two hours. And I know when you become a parent, you know, Kimmy, like you just become so much more efficient with your time as long as you have it. (laughs) You need the time to begin with. doesn't sound like they really have a structured schedule for themselves to work. I mean, the first thing that came to mind was a, you know, what is a childcare situation? You just covered that off, you know, is, are there opportunities once kids are potty trained, you know, the the range of childcare opportunities opens up dramatically and there may be some more cost efficient options, but I think it all comes down to time and space. You know, can they schedule time that even if the kid's schedule is unpredictable because they're not napping today, but they napped yesterday, um, you know, that they can say, you've got the morning these days, I've got the afternoon these days and, and, you know, or layer in childcare, like you're saying, just for a handful of hours. Could they share that childcare with another family, you know, in their neighborhood uh, so that that defray some of the costs a little? And then try not to squeeze in things like going to the grocery store during that time, like reserve it to bust out work, you know, get those four hours in. Um, I, I think that because unfortunately, we're all as parents going to want to spend more time with our children. And those of us who work and our parents, you know, that, that struggle is never going to go away. Um, and, and so that's the hard part is that just by finding childcare, you're not necessarily going to feel like you've automatically solved for spending more time with your child. Right. But I think it's like, it's a combination of things, right? It's like hopefully being able to find some childcare, even if it's just an hour a day or two hours a day. Second, automating a lot of the responsibilities that you are normally taking care of physically, like whether that's ordering in your groceries, if you have to go every month or every two weeks to buy household supplies? Is there a way that on Amazon you can have those coming um, recurring deliveries? Gosh, you know, maybe having an online virtual assistant to help you with scheduling and, you know, email maintenance and all of that busy work that is just busy work. It's not really adding to your career. It's just stuff that you have to get done. It's the housework. You know, the other thing I would suggest, it's not easy. And I'm, I won't, I can't say I'm really good at this, but once your child is sleeping through the night and there's a bit of, uh, there's, you know, you know that maybe he'll go down at seven and wake up at six, that maybe if you are an early morning person, you can get to bed early and get up at 5 a.m. And that's two hours of quiet time or one hour of quiet time. The the moment, the times that I have done this, Kimmy, (laughs) it's amazing how much you'll get done. The, you know, and you have, it's like, a countdown. You know that child's going to wake up at 6.37, it's 5 a.m. and you'll get a lot done and no one else is awake probably and you can, you know, have that me time and it's really nice. And to the extent that you can do that like once or twice a week, 
do it because that's going to really help you catch up a lot with your work. Well, Farnoosh, it's so true. Whether you work for yourself or you're balancing a corporate career, my husband and I are doing exactly that right now. He's much better at it than I am waking up in the morning and he busts out an hour worth of work before anybody stirs in the house. And I'm using that time to squeeze in workouts because I just couldn't figure yeah. out how to do it otherwise. And so the, the day definitely shifts and sort of the quality time during the day. And I think the old adage of taking care of yourself first in your marriage and your family, um, to the extent that Sandra can find time to schedule time for herself as well as work in her marriage. Um, and then, you know, this kids will always be there and they will always be unpredictable. So I think it's just a matter of trying to rest a bit more control. Super hard. It's easier said than done. As best as you can go to bed earlier, like go, try to go to bed a little bit earlier every night. It's hard. I, I, I feel like I have fear of missing out at night. Like I want to see what's happening on Twitter and I want to catch my shows and I want to talk to my husband because I haven't seen him all day. <laughs> and so, and so, so, you know, if, if the best you can, if, if you go to bed normally at 10, make it 930 tonight and then see that makes a world of a difference. Just even a half an hour extra, a half an hour of sleep in the morning, you might wake up a little bit earlier. You'll just have more energy during the day. Um, it's no joke. Sleep is a big deal. Okay. Megan on Instagram wants to know, is it reasonable, Kimmy, to ask her boyfriend to split the rent by a percentage rather than 50-50 if he is making more money than she is. He makes about $11,000 more and she wants to ask if she can, if, if it's okay to, to say like, hey, you'll pay 60%, I'll pay 40% of the rent. She is worried he won't be as receptive as he is naturally a saver and dare I say cheap. Those are her words. <laughs> On the other hand, she says, I've had, I've had and still do help my family with money. So I tend to be more generous and put myself on the back burner financially. Is asking to do a percentage split appropriate with a boyfriend? I'm not sure if that should be reserved for engaged couples or married couples. By the way, we're 23. And by the way, my voice is cracking because I, I think it's the allergies of the season changing. And um, I've had just... Uh, scratchy throat like all week. I don't know about you, Kimmy, but yeah, no. Allergies are on thick I this season. I can't tell if everybody's sick or not. So I am hoping that it's allergies for, for all the folks out there dealing with this change in season. Yeah, I try yeah. not to scare people in person. <laughs> I say allergies and I don't say I actually have a cold. Note, I love this uh, question from Megan. I mean, I think the beauty of the question is, you know, maybe not so much the outcome of the conversation, but the fact that they're obviously serious together since they have moved in with each other. And, you know, they are young, but taking any relationship to the next level, the money conversation needs to be part of that. Um, and so, you know, just starting now by having the conversation and hoping that goes to a place that works for both of them. Um, I love the fact that like she's thinking about this and, and that can be a point of entry to sort of talking more seriously about money. If her husband or rather her boyfriend is a saver, then he should understand where she's coming from, right? right. Uh, I would hope like, t you know, use that to your use his personality to your advantage here, Megan, you know, as you're having this conversation with him, you might want to start and be like, I know that saving money is really important to you. It's also important to me. And I hoped one day to be making as much as you, if not more, but just say, you know, I'm, I got, as you know, I have a lot of financial priorities, my obligations, I'm helping my family out with money. I'm so grateful that we can live together and I'm so happy to take this next step with you. But it would really go a long way for me financially to be able to chip in a little bit less in, in rent. And, and look, I actually told her on Instagram, I said, if the, you sometimes have to 
present it with a few options and and really show your partner that you've thought this through and you want to make this a conversation and you want his input. And it's not like, here's what I want to do, yes or no. But it's like, I need to say, at the end of the day, she needs to save money. So whether it's paying less towards rent or other things, that's maybe what she needs to think about is how can I present a bunch of options to my boyfriend and let him pick the one that he's most comfortable with. And for you, it, it would make no difference because you're still saving money either way. So maybe it's paying less towards rent or maybe it's he's going to shoulder some of the more like more of the utilities or he's going to pay for more of the the food and restaurant uh, eating out sort of stuff. And then at the end of the day, you're like, I just want to save an extra $100 a month, you know, so how, how can we get there? And that way you can have that conversation. He can feel like he's giving his input and he might feel more as a a less confrontational or, you know, he said, she said, um, this isn't a fight that you guys are in just because it's a tough conversation. And I think I may have done all of those things in a past life that you just mentioned. You know, when I was dating, I had a significant other where I was paying for um, the groceries and he would pay for dining out because the dining out was really spiky and it was these bigger amounts on our credit card versus like weekly groceries you know, was something that I could, that was more predictable. And so it made a little bit more sense for where I was at in my financial journey. And similarly, when I met my husband and we were engaged, um, and actually when we were dating, um, he paid more on the utilities and we did that 60, 40 split. And I think it was really declaring where that money was going. The other 10% that I wasn't paying that he then was, um, and it was going to pay down my car. He owned his car outright. I did not. And so we really had joint goals together. But I think where you can, you know, say like, these are my goals. We're both savers. This is important for our financial future. You know, it's a great conversation to have. I like that to kind of bring it back to your goals as a couple and your future as a couple. That's really smart. All right. Question here from Jess on Instagram. And she says that's another cup. Uh, she's also asking a question about her relationship and money. She says, my husband and I are very financially synced with each other. He's the breadwinner. He brings in roughly 140000 a year. I'm a teacher adding 45000 to the pot. We have a small investment portfolio. Our only debt is a small car payment and a mortgage that we pay extra on. We also have a rental property and I launched my own growing business. We also, wait for it, welcomed (laughs) our third baby girl this past year. Busy life. I love it. And childcare is eating my paycheck. We may be bringing home $300 a month. We debated me leaving my job but the risk scares me. Do you have advice for parents to achieve goals while funding their children? Well, I, I want to defer to you on this one, Kimmy, because it sounds like um, you might have a lot to offer her in, in the sense of you know how to make it work with pursuing a business while raising children. I know that you took a transition out of the corporate world. You started your own thing. Now you're back. But like, how is that in between time for you? You know, Farnoosh, I think that it sounds like Jess already has a side hustle, you know, set up where she's got this growing business in addition to her teaching. So as you think of individuals, couples, families trying to increase their income, you know, one of the ways is 
let, is there space in their day to take on a side hustle? So, you know, first step is they're already doing it as far as what she could do from a career standpoint without giving up the security of her teaching career. Um, and it sounds like they have some amazing financial habits with regards to, you know, kind of being on the same page with their income, you know, what they're bringing in, what they're saving. They've got this investment account. They've got this rental property. So I think it's a matter of... Um, you know, can she, and you may have some insights on this, Farnoosh, you know, take that, perhaps that extra payment on the mortgage, you know, that's putting money into an asset that's not as liquid as even a savings account or, you know, what they could fuel to give them some extra benefits in their, you know, daily, weekly lives, whether that's eating out once a month or, um, you know, getting some quality time to go on vacation. Like, you know, I don't know what they're... Or childcare, yeah, you or know. childcare for three children. If she's, like, yeah. I, yeah, I, I agree. Like, I think the extra money towards the mortgage would be the first thing to reallocate if if she did leave her job and want to uh, be home more to save money on childcare, but also work on the business. I think that money will come in, will be, will be better invested back into the family's day to day to make sure that things can just kind of, you know, continue on the path that they are in the sense that she can work on her business and her kids might have uh, some more time with her, but also maybe she gets some time away from the kids because she's bringing in um, someone to watch them for a couple of hours. I, I hope that at least one is in school <laughs> right. with three children and she's not home with three kids and trying to run, run a business or launch a business. And so I understand with the third baby girl, it'll be a while until she's uh, maybe in a program. But if she, I would say, if you're going to leave your job before you do, have a 12 month plan for not just um, childcare and your business, but you know the finances too. How are you going to make it work? Maybe before you quit, you spend six months saving up and you re- are reallocating that mortgage payment into savings. So you have a nice little cushion and that money can be for things to invest in that will be a direct uh, payoff to your business, to your launch. So maybe it's childcare, paying for someone to come into the house once a week to clean or once uh, a day to be with her uh, her baby so that she can go and do the things that she needs to do to tend to her business. But I don't, what I would hate to see, Kimmy, is she quits her job, there was no financial plan. And I know as moms, you're going to feel like you're home now. So you should spend more time with your kids, as much time with your kids as you can. And the business kind of goes on the back burner. I think that's so right, Farnoosh, because the trade-off is one that so many parents struggle with at all income levels. So, you know, I'm making X, childcare costs Y, and when those dollars amount amounts at $45,000 a year are so close to what it's going to cost, you know, daycare for one child can be anywhere like $1,000 to $1,500 a month. Um, you know, it's incredibly scary, particularly if you have three children, to think through um, and but know that the career also long term financial benefits. So solving this short term problem before the kids are in school, full time in elementary school, you know, is that then what is the on ramp back to potentially full time work? And the great news is, is that Jess already has a side hustle with her growing business. So um, and the side hustles have created so many new on ramps to careers for moms who are reentering the workforce. But, you know, know what your plan is six months from now to be sure that you're carving out the time to keep that growing if the solid income from the teaching job isn't there as much. 
Yeah. I mean, the thing to really remember, the economics sometimes may convince you to quit your job, but your kids are only young for a while and your career is a long-term beast and you want to be able to keep feeding it as much as you can, even during the years when you feel like you just can't keep up, you've got too much on your plate at home, even just keeping a small toe in the door, uh, networking, making sure you're updating your LinkedIn profile, making sure you're taking on maybe a project here there while you're at home can go a very long way in helping you um, re uh, reacclimate into the workforce full time and maybe not have to suffer a, as big of a pay cut. Because as we know, Kimmy, a lot of times when parents take time out of the workforce, out of necessity to be with their kids or just out of their own desire, two years later, they try to go back and they're going to be faced with a smaller starting salary. Right. And you want to have the confidence. I mean, oftentimes you'll be have confidence to go back in asking for what you were making five years ago, which is not doing, you know, like all of us women also have to ask for, you know, what we need, what we're worth. And, um, you know, and so do you want to still be making $45,000 five, six years from now? Um, you know, or know that at that time, like have some coaching, get a mentor. What am I really worth? What are people, you know, asking for, for, for this level of experience in this career? All right. And last but not least, this is totally in your wheelhouse. A question from Crystal, who wrote in over at somoneypodcast.com. She clicked on Ask Farnoosh, I know, because that's how I found this question. She says, I am very bad with tracking my expenses. So I recently started giving myself a weekly allowance and taking out that money in cash for my weekly expenses. My boyfriend said this is not smart because you don't build the credit on your credit card. What do you think? Do you think tracking my expenses on Mint or something like that would be better? What are your top apps that would help with this? What do you recommend? I would say to her that if she is really trying to buckle down and save and get a handle on her spending, then I think being on a cash diet for a little bit will give her the discipline. And uh you know, your boyfriend is right in some regards. Certainly, you know, you can't bill credit without using credit. But if you, if this for you is just sort of a short-term solution in order to get some long-term capabilities in place, then fine. And you have to know yourself, right? If you know that you don't have yet the discipline to use a credit card and live within your means, then I think that you have to take a step back and start with cash, but then hopefully work your way up to, um, using a credit card responsibly. And then as far as how to track her expenses, yeah, girl, mint all the way. <laughs> yes, we are both mint fangirls. <laughs> and I love yeah, that. Yeah, that's a no brainer. Will, will help with our daily expense tracking, but there are also savings goals in mint as well. And so if you know there's big purchases coming up that you may want to save for, and it's not just, you know, a new set of jeans and a white t-shirt, if, you know, clothes are your jam, but you need a new backpack or coat for the coming season, like start saving for that ahead of time or know what your strategy is going to be to tackle some of those bigger expenses. Cause walking around with cash to go buy a new coat necessarily, you know, at the top of anybody's yeah. list either. And to your point, Furnish, you don't have to use your credit card for everything in order to build credit. So, um, you know, if there's areas that lack discipline, like say going out and paying for, you know, a $12 salad every day, then yeah, let's use cash for food, but maybe use the credit card for some things that aren't such daily expenses. That's a really good point. So hooking up your credit card to a a monthly recurring cost, let's say it's your cell phone bill, your maybe a utility or a membership that you have that is nominal or not 
going to break the bank, but you can in some ways keep your credit card usage active and it's something that will get settled every month in full. And so you are building credit in, in a way that uh, works for you and then using cash for other day-to-day expenses like lunch or coffee or whatever, because I understand those things can add up and we can be get a little mindless about those expenses, especially when we're not using cash. So I think there's a bit of a, there's a way to strike a balance here and kind of have a win-win situation. All right, Kimmy, I'm going to let you get back to all your busy, busy scheduling in New York and always a pleasure to have you on So Money and um, your perspective is so valuable. Thank you so much. Thanks, Farnoosh. Love the conversation and really appreciate the time. 